Welcome to Help from Future Self. Howdy, Archons. Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self. My name is Jetlag Gruen, also known as <laughs> Alex, and I am back from vacation. Uh, I, I just need to take a moment right here at the very start of this episode to thank my dear friends who joined me this week for holding it down whilst I was away off on the other side of the uh, the great nation of Canada. A huge, huge thank you to my good friend, my coach, my pal, Boulevard Blake. Hey, man, we really, really missed you, and it's so great to hear your voice again. Ah, oh, so great. I appreciate that, pal. And of course, you can't forget about S.E. Steele. Thank you so much, Sydney. Oh, it's so great to have you back. It's really good to be back and really good for us to be starting things off, I guess, with kind of a, a general topic discussion episode. I love these because you're two folks that I love to talk about Keyforge with. And there are so many topics that we've talked about. And sometimes, you know, we get really granular when we're talking about things. But then sometimes we just have these nice wide open topics that I think provide a lot of room for us to just see where the conversation takes us. And I believe, Blake, it was you who pitched the idea of just talking about Keyforge collecting. What is Keyforge collecting? How does Keyforge collecting work? I have a question that I wanted to ask both of you. I know my answer to this question, but I do not know what either of yours would be, and I'm very keen to hear. Starting things off, is there a difference between just owning a bunch of Keyforge decks and having a Keyforge collection? Blake. Well, first off, I got to give a shout out to Jim, aka Mediator J, on the Discord. Uh, I think most people are familiar with uh, Jim, and uh, he is a great guy. I've had the pleasure of interacting with him IRL, and uh, he is the one who suggested this topic, and there was quite a nice little uh, back and forth with some people about it. And uh, so he is the reason why we are having this discussion today. So thanks so much, Mediator Jay. You are the best, buddy. And for me, I believe there is a difference between uh, just having Keyforge decks and collecting because I think the difference is if you are collecting there is a purpose behind the acquisition of decks or the purchasing of decks looking for something in particular but it, I think the difference is the hunt you you are on a quest you have a purpose behind each deck that you're getting in some way or another or keeping and not selling whereas just having a lot of Keyforge decks because you happen to be opening them, I think uh, that is the difference. It's the intention and purpose for uh, for me that separates those two. That's a really good point. Sydney, same question. Is there a difference between just owning Keyforge decks and collecting Keyforge? So I think a little bit of that could be true because if you're a hoarder, if you have a ton of decks, you are simply by default a collector. I think you've you've collected a lot of decks, but you can have a very small collection of decks and have those decks be be meaningful and and fit all the criteria um, you just mentioned, Blake. But I think that there's a little bit of hoarder having a lot of decks, still being a collector somewhere in the ether there. Very good point. Um, I, I think that I sort of fall very much towards the Blake side of the equation. I do think that somebody can refer to just the the decks they've acquired through playing Keyforge as their collection. I don't have any problem with them using that terminology. 
But at the same time, like I consider myself to be somebody who has collected Keyforge. I have looked for specific things. I have acquired decks specifically because they had things I was looking for. There are certain kinds of decks that when I see them, I want to acquire them because of what they have. Sometimes it's because it's a specific archetype of tech. Sometimes it's just because it has more than one fuzzy Gruen in it. I literally <laughs> was buying double Gruen decks for quite some time just because I liked having them in my stable. And I also like to have sort of representatives from each set. Oh, I wanted it like a cool Sins deck. I want this cool, you know, AOA deck that has this particular combo in it. Those are all things that I look for. And oftentimes it's not even about getting the best example of like the most competitive deck. It's just, I want one of these for my personal collection. The way that Rick, say, for example, likes to have a time traveler deck from every set, if possible, when they've been printed. So mm. what about a competitive collector isn't necessarily collecting like if somebody is just looking for the best deck but the criteria of the deck doesn't necessarily matter to that person how how is that different than actually collecting i think the drive might be really different um i am a relatively non-competitive person of course it feels good to win games it feels good to win tournaments <laughs> nobody's going to deny that. But also the appeal of the game to me isn't necessarily, I want to win and crush all my enemies. Like I, I'm not a spike to use that particular terminology. I'm much more of a, I like to have fun playing games and you know, whatever happens happens. And if I win great. And if I lose, as long as I had fun, then who cares? Um, so I, almost in the same way that I'm non-competitive when it comes to like playing the game. I think I'm a little bit non-competitive when it comes to like acquiring decks. I have no desire to go into like a heavy bidding war to try and get like a super competitive deck whose only appeal to me is that I can crush other people with it. I'm much more inclined to like sort of do the thing where you go on DOK and start sort of filtering down by lots of different criteria until you see something that's like, oh man, that's a great example of X or Y. I want to have that just because it's cool to have that in my collection or that, you know, particular deck has a really cool name or, you know, in the case of one of mine, it has my surname on it and stuff like that. That's all stuff that I'm interested in. So I guess oftentimes when I think of like the truly competitive players who are just trying to assemble a truly competitive lineup of decks, they don't really care, like you said, Sydney, what's in them necessarily, or they have a very specific narrow viewpoint of what they want in them. But it's not about anything other than how this deck is going to play in a competitive environment. And, you know, that's still collecting of a kind. I'm not going to say that it's not, but it's a very different kind of collecting than the stuff that I engage in. Sure, that makes sense. I have like a different take on that, that in a way, because I think if you are looking to buy a competitive deck, a lot of the times it's going to start off with something that is unique that you're looking for, and it could be a combo. So you're collecting a specific combo that could exist. And I think that exists greatly. Like for, I think this is an obvious one to say is Genka. Like you, you look for a Genka deck. That is a very specific card. It's rare. You're looking for two things to exist within the deck, and you want to have maybe the best one possible. But you're looking for a, um, we'll call it like the top shelf collection in a way, like the same way you would have a, an aged fine wine that you you just want to have in the cellar to pull out on special occasions, so to speak. And I think that really exists in this game because you can find decks like that that have that sought-after value because they have this archetype in a very powerful way. So you're not only collecting the deck because it hits this archetype, or it could be an archetype you like to play on a very competitive level, but you're also getting to get a truly competitive deck. And I've I've been in that boat before, but it's hard to pull the trigger for me on something like that because I'm not traveling as much to play in tournaments 
where decks of that level are going to be utilized to the greatest degree. Because sometimes when you have those ultra competitive decks, bring them to your local scene for a chainbound does not have a, a feel good uh, aspect to it. I think. Yeah, that's oh, that's a, a really good point. L- let me ask you this: If you had the option to buy somebody's KeyForge collection or a truly great competitive deck. Let's say that they like had a fairly robust collection of decks with lots of different stuff in them from across multiple sets, maybe a couple play mats, maybe some cool sleeves, maybe, you know, even something, you know, uh, tokens and stuff like that. Like, which is more appealing to you as a person who's into Keyforge? Do you like the idea of I just want one truly amazing deck for my bang for my buck? Or I like the idea of getting a bunch of different stuff that I can then explore and really work through and see what it's all about and bring to my group and then share it around like which of those is more appealing to you as a keyforge person you actually had me at once you started listing and naming the accessories so i was going to answer <laughs> your question with killer keyforge deck because i have enough of my own collection of just a, a robust collection but when you started saying like cool sleeves and tokens and like some of the the maybe prizing that ffg would give away in in normal um Chainbound play. That's the kind of stuff that also really excites me. So I might actually go for a huge collection just to get a handful of those couple things that one, I might not already have, or two, already have, but think are super, super cool and wouldn't mind having another one. Okay. For me, I'm um I'm in the opposite boat. And that is because I can speak from experience. I actually did buy someone's collection early on in my Keyforge days. Yeah. And it came with tokens and and things like you said, and a bunch of decks. And um, there was some top tier decks in that as well. But now I think just because I'm at the stage of my Keyforge journey where I have accumulated so many decks, I don't think I would want to do that because I know how difficult it is to move most decks once you have accumulated them. It's a, it's a lot harder to, to sell a vast majority of the decks you end up getting unless they have something very niche that someone's looking for. So on that basis alone, I'd rather, I think now I'm kind of in a place where I want quality over quantity. And I say this as I have like so many unopened displays behind me as we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think there's definitely something to be said for the thrill of discovering something that nobody else has discovered before. Like the idea, Mm -hmm. the difference between buying somebody's deck that they've already gone through, you know, they've already played all the decks. The decks are like a known quantity on some level. They've already been registered. It's less exciting than just like opening up a brand new deck out of a display. You know, the very first time anybody has seen that. And there's a certain level of appeal to that. I guess like almost... It's weird because when I think about Keyforge collecting and my own Keyforge collecting, it's almost antithetical to some of the things that I truly love about Keyforge. Like the the just, you know, open up a deck, let's play it, let's shuffle it up and see what happens. Maybe it's great, maybe it's not the greatest deck, but I don't know that until we actually sit down and start playing it. When I collect, it's almost always I know what I'm buying and I've already assessed its quality. So it's a very different kind of experience. It's two sort of competing drives. My love from Keyforge comes from that feeling of I like to discover the unknown, which runs up against my feeling of I want a deck that does this one specific thing from this one specific set that has this combo in it, that has these cards in it. They're two very different parts of my brain, I think, in some ways. I actually have a a question for you guys. In my head, collecting actually has like, there's two different ways to approach it. Like 
Alex, you mentioned earlier that you have uh, a deck with your surname in it, and I have a handful of decks with steel in it, but those are kind of unlimited. Like there are so many out there, like narrowing down which ones I would like to to go out and actively try and acquire would, would take a lot of work. But um, also you mentioned Rick wanting Time Traveler in all the different sets. Like once you get a type of card in all the different sets, until the next set comes out, you have it. So in that sense, your your set is kind of completed. Your collecting mm. is completed. So which which type of collector are both of you? Um, If I can liken this to two different kinds of collecting I've done. Um, I'm a comic book collector. Comic book collection is never a state complete. Um, it is a thing where I constantly acquire new things. There's so much of it that I'm interested in that I will never get to a point where like I have enough or I have <laughs> all the stuff that I'm ever going to want to have. Um, that's that's just a fact, right? Like I'm always going to want to read comics, look at comics, get cool back issues, get nice editions of things. And so, you know, in my head, I'm, I'm, I'm that way about that. But then when I was very into to wristwatches for a number of years, I did achieve collection complete because I got to a point where I was like this is the exact number of these that I want to own I could never get more than this because I only have one wrist on which to wear a wrist watch <laughs> and you know there's seven days in a week so what are what are we talking about here am I gonna have 25 of these things sitting up on my dresser some people do right but that wasn't my bag and so once I got the ones that I wanted I was like I'm done I don't need to buy anymore. I don't feel the urge to buy anymore. I have my bases covered. Keyforge kind of falls between the two in some ways. I like the idea of those folks who have done the collections where it's like I've gotten all the decks and then disassembled them so that I can have an example of every card in each of the sets. I mm -hmm. think that's a really cool goal and I like collecting goals like that. I'm not going to go to that level because, you know, uh, it's not something that super appeals to me. But I guess also like for the game to remain interesting, you're always going to be wanting to buy more. And so the question is, are you happy just continuing to buy, you know, decks, opening them, playing them or buying, you know, doing sealed and just acquiring them? Or does the urge to find specific things carry on over into into that? I'm not sure that I have a good answer after rambling all, th all the way through that. <laughs> what about you, Blake? For me, I'm I'm kind of the collector where I like to have, like I have a box full of the decks that I consider like my collection decks. Like I have a box that are like, okay, these are top tier decks. And then I have a box that are collection decks where they're going to tick a box for me. And those will be things like they have an archetype. So I want something with Martian generosity. I want something with Heart of the Forest, even though I should probably burn that deck. I mean, <laughs> I have like Sin's deck. Like I want a Cincinnatus Rex Golden Spiral. Like all those, all those like sort of, crucial combos and there's usually two parts to it. it's usually a rare card mixed with something else that will create that archetype combo but there's also like the special cards so there's cards that exist where you want to have like the uh, like for example the even though they're pretty common I, I found actually oddly enough dark tidings has a lot of collector appeal to me this set I don't mm -hmm. know if you guys have felt this way but there seems to be things in it I want to own like I want to collect I want to have and so that's kind of the way I've always gone about it is there's something special about the deck that could create that and for me that could even be prize decks and I like to collect these where they're decks I've won or I call them trophy decks which means they're the deck like a sealed tournament and you win the sealed tournament with it this deck now feels like a trophy to me because I was able to win the tournament with this deck and I kind of go through that basis I was going to say in my previous life, I um, I played Game of Thrones, the living card game. And one of the things that appealed to me about the living card game was 
any living card game, you can get the sum total of all the cards that exist. So you and anyone else who decides to go out and get the right cards for your deck can actually get whatever you want without having to try and find it, without the need for the hunt. And so in in the past, I guess I would apply a, a completionist mindset to to collecting card games. But in this case, like in Keyforge, you you can't really do that. And so thankfully that that actually negates my my completionist collector's mindset. So I don't have to get everything of something because I I really I can't possibly do that. Yeah, that makes good sense. I guess a, a big part of it is that Keyforge is so unique in the way that it operates that you know, aside from the thing I mentioned earlier of people buying decks and disassembling them for the purposes of having a binder of just like every card in the set, it very much does feel like your your potential for collector completionism is non-existent. You're always just looking for something specific because it does a certain thing. Now, maybe you're a collector of extremely competitive Quixel decks, or you're <laughs> a collector of, I just like this card and I like having it in multiples. I want to have the most plague rats in any given deck that I've ever seen. You know, eight plague rats, you know, and nothing else. You know, I don't care if the deck's even good or not. I just want to have it because playing it would be super fun and wreak havoc. You know, and and I guess the, that is one of the things that makes Keyforge truly unique uh, in terms of the way we interact with it versus the way a lot of other games are, are interacted with. Let me put this question to you. Do you feel that you are a collector of Keyforge-related stuff? And so I'm talking about things like playmats. I'm talking about things like tokens. I'm talking about things like prize wall, pins, um, stuffed gruins, all kinds of stuff like that. I know that we all have some of that stuff between the three of us and probably between the three of us, we have like a small mountain of it. But <laughs> how much does that factor into your collecting? Because in some ways that's almost like one of the things I love best about Keyforge is collecting all that other stuff because it's sort of more personal to me in some ways than the decks, which, you know, you kind of just open and play. For me, I would have to say that I fall into the category of only wanting to like I, I do like them I think that they're neat but the thing that really got me is like okay I need to win these was when we introduced or we were introduced to the store leaderboards and those unique decks with alternate art that's when I got to the point where I was like okay I need to have these I need I will like I will like bring out the heat to make sure that I'm in the top three so I can get one of these decks that was the first time I was like okay Let's go. <laughs> those those I found the most appealing collection because they were decks. There was something truly unique about them in the alternate art, and it was something that really drove that I wanted to have it as part of my collection. Yeah, I I am absolutely that way, one hundred percent. It was actually a way to make some of the prizing appealing that wasn't otherwise appealing to get sets of them. So, like the in the beginning in in Coda, when chains weren't necessarily that common, getting a set of all the different house chain trackers was the reason to get all the chain trackers. Or even the early prizing where they had uh, stun tokens or damage tokens that were actual cards. Getting a set of all of those was actually made those cards worth it. So those collecting all of something of all the tokens and the the side pieces were were really a big way for me to be into those in general. But I have to say, I have a a pin from every vault that I went to and um the the PAX vault that I went to didn't actually have a vault tour pin. They were maybe going to print it later or something or but 
they were giving away a Cincinnati Rex pin at their booth to people who were trying out Keyforge for the first time. So we ended up going to the booth and try, like I'm air quoting here, which makes her great podcasting, but trying out <laughs> Keyforge so that we would get the pin and it is in the spot in order on my Keyforge hoodie where the PAX pin should go because I got a pin from PAX, even if it wasn't the Vault Tour pin. Oh, that's cool. I like that. I like that too. Like you took something, you kind of made it your own, you know, version of the thing that you wished you could have. You know, it's it's your stand-in for that, which is an aspect of collecting, right? Like I have many things in my 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 collection where it's like, well, I'm never going to have a real good version of this, but I like having this one just because it's kind of representative of that thing. Um, for example, a, a nice edition of a book where you can't get like an original printing of the comic or something like that. Like those, those are aspects of collecting, I suppose. Absolutely. So uh, just sort of like as we're sort of rounding off the conversation, um, how important do you think it is uh, to your Keyforge collecting or your Keyforge experience to have that thrill of collecting? And like, if that was no longer really an option, let's say DOK goes offline tomorrow, eBay outlaws the selling of Keyforge decks online. Um, you know, basically they make it impossible to transfer decks once they've been registered or something else like that. Like, if somebody else registers a deck, you can't play with it in a tournament. Would removing that impact your Keyforge experience, or would you be happy enough to continue playing and experiencing Keyforge as a purely I get to own what I open and that's what I get to play with and that's what I get to use. That feels like it would boil it down to to the other parts of Keyforge that make the experience wonderful and I would be okay with that. Having people play in person and and talk about the game makes it worth going even if the prizing isn't something I can collect or if if I can't get my hands on any decks with the the name steel in it, then I'll just have to order a sealed box of Italian because apparently steel is very common in Italian de named decks. Uh, I'll order my own display of Italian decks to try and try my own luck at that. So it's something where I, you can, you can work around what makes Keyforge collectible and still enjoy the game, but it's really, really cool that some people have found a way to make Keyforge collectible for them. Yeah, for me, I, I actually enjoy collecting through the discovery of it myself, like getting to open my own versions of the deck. I'll always default to that. And then it kind of goes if um, I get down the line and it's something that I wasn't able to find or the one that I do have is like almost unplayable, then I'll maybe go on the secondary market. But I will always first and foremost go for like, I want to hunt for it myself. I want to make that discovery on my own that's never been seen before like that's that's where my priority is for it so if the scenario you outlined existed it really wouldn't impact me it just would mean that i'm probably buying more decks at the end of the day to try and find it <laughs> i mean that sir scenario basically plays into the way that you're already collecting keyforge blake you know yeah basically <laughs> for the most part yes i i have found though that usually the way i collect something specific will like i'll open something and i'll be like oh, this is cool. Or like, I'll have an experience within a house that I really like, but the other two houses are lacking greatly or it's it has no ember control, you know, things like that that make me mm. go, okay, let me see if I can find that this exists that's more well-rounded in another way. That sometimes will be the way. Like, I need to discover the, the what I'm trying to collect first and then I'll go on a hunt on the secondary market to find a better version of it. That's That's generally the way I go into the secondary market. 
That's really interesting, actually. You know, the, the idea of this appeals to me. Let me find the best version I can get of this. Like, Usually because not the we best all know- version I can get, because sometimes my price point will be like, okay, <laughs> that's a little bit too rich for my blood considering what this is. But, but yeah, something that's, that's going to be better, like something in the 70s. Let's just call it that. I feel like 70 to 80 SAS, like in that range, is like you're getting something good and you know it'll perform, but it may not be like you can win a vault tour with it. That's kind of like where I like to, to settle when I'm looking for collections. Yeah, I mean, we all have our competitive decks, right? And we all mm-hmm. have our, like, I like this deck, but it's not, you know, the be-all, end-all deck. You know, it's a, just a thing that we all have sort of learned, I think, to 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 absorb and figure out where our own line is. This has been a terrific conversation. I oh, love wait, though, talking- Alex, I got one more we have, to, oh. we have to just quickly touch on is one thing we haven't talked about, which I think is really important, is the collection of Mavericks, because that's something that's so oh. unique to Keyforge people who collect Mavericks in a a certain house or a certain card. I think that is the most interesting and the hardest, like true, you're a true collector if you collect a Maverick type of thing. That is also something that you can complete, I guess, if you pick a a house to have something of all of. Although I don't know if you can actively complete something like that, but you can try to. You can be searching for for a card you don't have because it completes a collection. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I obviously got to give a shout out to a Scrowner because he went on the journey of having a completionist mindset and he wanted all the anomalies, okay? Whoa. But not just all of them, but all of them in every house and he completed that collection. So shout out to uh, my man Scott for doing that. That is a pretty impressive journey to Seriously, go Seriously, that's awesome. All right. We cannot end an episode of Help From Future Self without the titular segment. This one's called Help from Future Self. I got one for you. Whilst I was on vacation, I played some Keyforge. I tried to get a couple of games in every day. Uh, And uh, one of the things that I set out for myself was I'm on vacation. I don't want to have the same kind of games that I'm playing when I'm at home in Vancouver. I want to do something different. And so what I did was I dug deep into my collection and tried to find decks that I had no memory of playing and tried to play those exclusively. I didn't fall back on any of my old standbys. I didn't fall back on any of the decks that I was really psyched on off the most recent set. I just tried to play decks that were just in my collection. And a lot of them I had never played because they weren't very good, and I knew they weren't very good. But also, it just allowed me to interact with my collection of Keyforge decks in a way that I don't often get the chance to. We say over and over again, you know, play your decks, get to know your decks, really experience your deck. If a deck doesn't look great, you have nothing to lose from trying to play it. You know, maybe you'll discover like something cool about it that you can then apply to other decks that you open up in future. But this was kind of me just applying that in in real practice. And so what I came away from that was just a genuine appreciation for the fact that, you know, in my several hundred decks strong collection of Keyforge, there's still a lot of like interesting things that I have not experienced. It's not always about the discovery of what's brand new because you just opened it. Oftentimes it's the discovery of things that you've put aside and haven't spent the time with. And so, you know, experience your collection, play your decks. That's awesome. I love it. I'm a big fan of that. I was. It's funny that you say that because I've been thinking about uh, my idea of going through and testing out all the decks that I have not yet played that I have in my box in front of me and I need to revisit that. And you just reminded me and gave me the little oomph to go continue on with that. 
I, I am so glad to hear that. Um, speaking of that, Blake, um, you can find us, of course, on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. You can find me online as Scuzzy Gruen on Twitter and on Instagram and on The Crucible. But Blake, what have you got going on right now? Right now, I am just trying to get myself sorted and get my videos off the ground. Uh, I'm kind of in a point where I'm going to be ending some series, starting some new series. If you haven't been checking out my Worlds Collide French Adaptive Tournament, there is an episode that dropped today. They're dropping every Thursday. It's a weekly series where uh, I have a guest on. We open a deck. We open two decks, actually. And in a would-you-rather format, my guest gets to choose which one they start with, and we play an adaptive match. It's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to see some French cards that you do not recognize just by the name. Super cool. Sydney, what have you got going on? I am SC Steel on TCO and Discord, and I have been um, kind of tangentially working with another large-scale event going on. So I'm really excited to tell you guys real quick about the uh, Midwest Keyforge Charity Open. So this is uh, an event that will be held on October 22nd and 23rd, and it's hosted by Meeplathon KC in it's organized by the Midwest Mavericks, if you've heard of that team. Um, so they'll have a, a Friday After Dark event, starts at 8 p.m. on Friday, and their main event's on Saturday at 9 a.m. It's a two-deck sealed survival. Um, they have a lot of prizes. Um, they actually have some balance sheet play mats. They have trophies for the winners. Luxury Playstyles has donated some stuff. So um, everybody can go to maverick mavericksKC.com. Uh, to get more info and to register. And um, anyone who registers by September 22nd uh, will be put in a drawing to win a custom wall hanging. So go ahead and Ooh. go to, that's mavericksKC.com. So M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K-S-K-C.com. I'll put it in the show notes too. Awesome, thanks. All right. It's so good to be back, but we got to finish things off. We'll be back at you next week with another amazing episode of Help From Future Self. I love chatting with you guys, and I'm looking forward to doing it again so very soon. And until then, stay fortunate.